You are listening to a podcast. Not just any podcast, but the 29th podcast of the Something on My Mind program. I am David. And I am Cindy. Welcome to this week's program. In this podcast, Cindy and I use her professional backgrounds to cover all things finance, and we mix in an offbeat story or two to give you a break from everyday reality. And as always, our mission is to improve your financial fitness, and we like to do all of this with a side of humor. As a show reminder, you can follow us on all social media platforms, including Instagram at SOMM.podcast. And if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to somethingonmymind.net. And if we choose to read a question on the show, we'll give you a $50 Amazon gift card. Okay, so what's on the docket this week? What is the something that is on our minds? First, we're going to start with some positive feedback from our listeners based on topics that we've talked about on other shows. In this week's financial topic, we talk about life insurance in that how much money should you be leaving to your beneficiaries? So we will provide some useful guidelines for determining what your family needs. And for the last topic, we're going to discuss an article about the political divide between Republican and Democrat, and would you date somebody if your affiliation does not match? Now it's time to get on to the roundtable, and this is where we have no script. We just let it rip. So this is what I'm thinking. Pick a number between one and four. One and four, that's really great odds. I'm going to, I'll take two. Two is the number, so you can start. Uh, No, you start this week. That's because you don't have anything, (laughs) right? (laughs) I might just blink right now. Something on my mind, nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, sometimes it feels like that, which is crazy of all the things that go on in the world. I mean, literally, yeah, I could think of a a gazillion things if you ask me, you know, 10 minutes from now, but. Sometimes we have to feel like it's podcast worthy, even without scripting. So I'm just looking at our dog, thinking how dead he looks right now. He's so asleep, that Mr. Is Pudge. So much, yeah, I wish I wish I could sleep like dogs sleep, like it's on instant. command. It's obviously in their genetic makeup to do that. But they lay down, they close their eyes, and they're like dreaming and sleeping so peacefully. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, sorry. it reminds me though because. I'm at home all day with them, and I started thinking about all the habits that I picked up that I didn't have before. Now, I worked at home anyway, but I can't see clients. Right. I can't go to a satellite office to go talk to some sales dudes or something. So so I, you show up at my office. I show up at Cindy's <laughs> office. Like, what are you doing here? It just breaks up the day, but there's a, another section of their building that uh, they gave me an office. So I do that to break my day up, and it does really help. However... That's when I actually forced myself to shave. I know. I did notice that. Except for you came in looking like Albert Einstein yesterday, like introducing you to my new colleague, like, oh, this is my husband. No offense, but your hair was like literally all over the map. I'm working on the fullet, the fullet, I call it. It's, it's not quite a, a mullet. Fullet. But the, the hair in the back is definitely long enough for a mullet. I don't <sighs> have the tail. But the top, you know, is... It's, no, you got something going on. It's whatever. I mean, it's out of control is what it is. I haven't had a haircut in how long? And a long time. You know, the funny thing is the electrician working on the house, I went to high school with him. I didn't recognize him. And then we came to talk, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So after moving all the crap out of the basement for the construction, 
I pulled out the yearbook and we went through it and we came across the uh, mock elections and I won. I think we mentioned this in the yeah, other podcast. Like ten the, more, yeah. the prettiest hair. And then you look at my hair now when somebody's like, really? He's like looking at me, what? <laughs> like, but you know, here's the thing. But here's the thing. I, I get up, I wear my play pants. Like they're like play Ralph, pants, like Ralph Lauren, like lounge pants you or whatever. You laugh, you call them play pants. I shower at maybe five. I shave maybe every 10 days unless I do come into your office. Wow, you sound really attractive. I, you know, when I could, I come home, I just, I can't take my eyes off you. Here's, here's, <laughs> well, you know. Ooh, baby. Beauty's not always in the eye. It, it is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Well, the <laughs> other thing. Kidding. Here's the thing I really noticed, though, is that when I do go out, like, sometimes we've been eating out, and it's really not great, and that's not that fun, but we've gone out. And then uh, other than that, it is at your office, and I wear some just nice jeans. I don't have to dress up. What happens is after about an hour or so, I feel very constricted with these clothes because when I'm home, everything is so comfortable that I want to get in the most possible, most comfortable feeling that I can provide to myself, and I can't wait to change my clothes. That's why I could not work at home. I can't do it because it just I would be melting into the bed every day like, hey, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm working. I would just never, I would probably never get out of bed if I was relegated to working from home every day. Hey, listen, it's better to have... Uh, conversation with people and physical aspects, which I don't get right now, even though I'm in a very busy giant project at work and I work with 27 other people just from my company on this alone, it still doesn't cover the basis, right? You miss that physical element. But I will say that on the other hand, there are advantages. And so the kitchen's always clean. I can prep dinner. We have no carpet in the house. So an old house, you have a lot of hair that you'll see. So I sweep constantly. So there's some good things that I take care of. So everything's fit and tidy. So, you know, it's a push and pull, but. All right. All kidding aside about your hair. You are a beautiful man, David. You know, people always want to know who is the man behind the mask? Who is that mask man? Okay. So here's the cool thing. You are correct in saying that I am a beautiful man. However, I did think about how many masks are people accumulating now? Like this is something you would have never thought about, right? In that, I need a mask to go outside to protect myself, but you don't just have one, right? And then, how many do you really accumulate? I mean, I'm looking around. I'm going to say we have seriously 15 to 20 masks all of a sudden in a drawer that we keep and when we wash them. And I feel like it's them. not enough. I mean, I it's a mask for every occasion. It's a, I mean, you've got gray clothes, you've got black clothes, you've got red clothes. I mean, you need complementary colored masks. Don't you? I don't feel like that whatsoever. In fact, I get out of my car every time because I don't leave enough, and then I'm like halfway down the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to get my mask. So I thought about another great idea with my brothers, which would be a vending machine that sells masks. No, I like that. I think that's a good idea. Oh, I, mean, I, I already got plans drawn up. I got you know 50 machines going out. I'm going to retire. So what happens when they get quickly. the pandemic in control, though? I made enough money, okay, and then I put it away, and I'm going to subscribe to that fire movement that the millennials do, and then I'm out. You're way past the fire movement age, I'm sorry to say. But fair enough. I think if you put vending machines that did that, I think they would sell a ton of them. I actually think that would be a brilliant idea. But I do like But, you, I mean, the contrast to that is you can go in any gas station, any, you know, uh, grocery store, I mean, any drugstore. But no, we hit. They're no, available everywhere. You're right, but we hit Walmart. 
we hit Home Depot, we hit Target, we hit all the major players. But remember, this is one station that holds a, a variety of masks in one spot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you could do NFL logos. You could do Hello Kitty. You, you could, know where you, you could, could do put Pokemon. Them. I you have could an do idea. I have an idea. Put them at the gym, the local gym. So if somebody walks in and forgets, or put it right at the front of the uh, grocery store, if they forget it, you know, then if they forget it and they can't walk in, now you've got that avenue to have a mask before you can enter the store. See, there you go. It just blossoms. We just start spitballing and, you know, we're done. All right. Well, this podcast is over. We got to go mask make for our vending machine. All right. So if this works out, I'll be mask vending rich and still a beautiful man. Hey, before we get started with the main topics, I do want to acknowledge that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we support the organizations that are always working to come up with cures for that. And I know people who have lost their battles very close to me. So all those who have lost, all those who have lost their family members, all those who are battling right now, we just want to say hang in there, think pink, stay strong, and we're behind you. Nicely put. Okay, before we hit the main financial topic this week, I did want to pull some feedback in from the listeners, and this has been some really cool stuff. So we had a podcast 16 called Shopping for Your Surgeries, and we had a listener named Lynn from Florida, and she said that she was at the doctor, and she's going to get some cataract work done, and she asked the question of, do you work out of more than one facility? And the answer was yes. And the short story is, is that she found out that she's going to be able to save some money because she's going to get this surgery done out of another facility from the one that was originally offered to her. Yeah, actually a significant amount of money. Yeah, this is great. So when I did the topic back on, again, podcast, what, 16, is that my toe surgery would have been $10,000 in one place or $1,000 in the other place. And ultimately, when I chose that and found out all the other costs, I only paid $343. Yeah, same doctor. Great facilities on both sides, but $9,000, well, more than $9,000 cheaper. Okay, cool. So now you also have one that you want to talk about. I do, and actually this is from a local listener right here in Michigan, Susan, who I spoke to, and she said that she was listening to podcast number two, which was super important, talking about having an emergency fund. So the importance of making sure that you've got at least three to six months covered for income, which we've talked about a million times. But what she said is she's made an important financial decision for her and her family is that she actually just recently got rid of a car. She sold her newer car. Um, She's home. She's working part-time. Her husband's working part-time through COVID. Their industries are shut down. And not that they needed to. I love that she said, I got ahead of it. So because they're not driving anywhere, they have one functioning car that's just perfectly great and new. Why have two at this point? What a great decision, not because you needed to, because you're thinking ahead and you're making the right decision to just stack up on some cash at this point. In reading here, the number that she saved on the car payment was $600 a month. That's a lot of money. But then you think about insurance, maintenance on the car, and gasoline. She could have saved anywhere between $900 to $1,000 every month by making this move. I know. Great job, Susan. We totally appreciate these kind of success stories and just forward thinking. 
You know, one last piece to podcast number two. The title was, Are You a Sheeting Me? And we talked about a sheeting is finding unclaimed lost money that is rightfully yours. Long story short, I got something from a hospital recently saying that they owed me $225. Are you a sheeting me? Are you sheeting me? <laughs> and you know what? I didn't even know about it. I didn't search for it because you can go to missingmoney.com to do this or your state website. So as a reminder... You may want to do a search because there might be a little pot of gold out there for you that you didn't even know about. So let's get on to the financial topic this week, and this has to do with life insurance in that how much money should you be giving to your beneficiaries? I think that this is a great topic because of what is going on in the world with COVID. Actually, from research that I've been looking at, life insurance policies have gone up because people see their mortality now and see what's happening around the world and I think this is a really good subject for people to think about in case you're thinking about, am I going to do this? How do I go about determining how much money should I give to the people that I love? Absolutely. And I think what's happening is there's a lot of time on your hands to think about, you know, am I out of work right now? Do I have the potential to, you know, even if I'm working, maybe my work has been cut back. Maybe that there's supplemental things that I need to consider. And a lot of companies give life insurance through their benefits package. So I always had life insurance through my former company and I always increased it. So I did more than what was available and it was just literally a couple dollars extra a month to sometimes double or triple that. So, you know, the first thing you should do is check to see if you have life insurance coverage through your company if you are working. Most corporations have that availability. Or the other thing to consider is that you may have a company that doesn't offer life insurance, so you need to look at it from the other angle. So the general consensus is that you should have six to ten times your annual salary for the money in your life insurance policy. But everybody's situation is different. So because your family's financial situation continually evolves throughout various stages of your life, including the birth of your children, needs to fund education, career advancement, and salary increases. So you should regularly review your life insurance needs. So let's talk about what are the things that you need to consider. The first thing that you can consider is your life insurance needs an order of priority, and these are the immediate expenses or your final expenses. And these are the amounts needed to cover all expenses upon your death. Things like this would include funeral costs, medical expenses, probate fees, etc. Now, one side note is that the average funeral is about $7,640. Now, if you choose cremation, this may be less expensive than a traditional funeral. However, you do need to consider this in your factoring. Yep, and that's a 2019 statistic. Um, but the one thing I want to point out that I think is important to touch on just for a minute is that you can avoid probate fees if you have your assets and trust, trust name, trust title. So that's something you want to talk to an attorney about from a tax standpoint that might be more advantageous to have your assets under trust because that avoids probate altogether. And the second thing we've touched on in prior podcasts is the transfer on death. So if you have an account that's in your single name only, you can actually name, if it's a taxable account, name a beneficiary to that. So that's another way, an avenue to avoid probate. I'm not a big fan of probate. There are ways to work around that, but that is one thing to consider in terms of fees to your final costs. So what Cindy just alluded to is really your life insurance policy, the beneficiaries that you choose is really, if you will, part of your will, right? You name people to give your money to. So the first thing that we just talked about were the final expenses. These are things that are going to occur right upon death. 
but there are other things that you need to consider way beyond just that part. Exactly. Like a mortgage. Would your family or your spouse want to keep your current home or possibly move to a smaller, more manageable home or rental property in the event of your death? So if your family wants to keep the home and intends to have your mortgage paid in full upon your death, then you'll definitely want to factor that in. And then another consideration is maybe you own a lake cottage or a vacation home somewhere and you want to keep that in the family. Yeah, you have to think about if I'm not around and I give X amount of dollars, is this going to be enough money for my spouse or beneficiaries to maintain the property? Right. And keep in mind, there's tax consequences often involved in selling a home that might even trigger capital gains. So it's very important to make sure that you consult with a tax advisor regarding your circumstances and what your family might have to incur in the event that they do sell the house. Okay, so the house is one big piece and often the biggest piece of a financial liability in the household, but there are other debts that you have to consider, and these are the everyday things, such as credit card balances, car loans, education loans, or any other liability. Anybody that you owe money to for a product or service that's ongoing where it's a fixed amount that you pay monthly, or they could be variable amounts as well. So these are the main things that you need to consider with your budget. And remember, we talked about this in podcast 17, you can't take your credit card debt with you. Your family inherits that. So all things to consider when you're considering how much life insurance you need. And this leads us into the next big thing that you and I always talk about on these podcasts. Oh, I know what that is. That is the emergency fund. So that's what you want to set aside or you'd want to reserve for unforeseen financial needs, such as income loss due to work or work absence, or medical expenses, or home, or auto repairs. These are for the people that you intend to cover through life insurance. Maybe you have a working spouse and something like this pandemic hit, and you're not around, and your spouse is out of work. How are they going to pay those bills? How are they going to manage that debt? Or even if your spouse is gone, and you're leaving this insurance to your kids, do you have maybe low-wage earner children or beneficiaries that you want to make sure, you know what, When I'm gone, I want to make sure they're covered. I want to make sure that they're not having to struggle to meet all these extra needs in their life. So here's one thing to consider. Generally speaking, with an emergency fund, you should have three to six months of income in case you don't work or you're sick or something like that when you're living. So if you do have that set up already, then maybe you don't need as much for that. But in any event, you have to foresee and think, if I am not around, how much emergency fund money does my family need? And maybe that's more than three to six months. You need to do that calculation. It's very important because that gives them time to figure things out and hopefully steer the boat in the right direction so they can get things on track so they can maybe get some peace of mind and not stress out at night about having bills to pay. Another major piece that people commonly look at is the education fund. Now, of course, this is more optional because some people choose to pay education or not for their children. But if it's something that is important to you, you need to look at this information because, as we all know, college is very expensive. So what you need to consider is that college for a public university on average is $23,200, and for a private school, it's $51,000. And this is something really big to consider if you have smaller children or even kids that are in middle school. You want to make sure that they're covered and consider this. Between 1977 and 2020, college tuition experienced an average inflation rate of 6.52% 
per year. So you'd even want to do a college education planning tool, which you can find online to plug in maybe like a public school or a private school, but tuition costs that you know by the time your kids are 18 and getting into college, there's going to be a very large inflated college tuition bill waiting there. So also something to consider when you're doing your whole, let's say, worksheet of costs of what you may want to cover in the event of your death. Perhaps the biggest piece to think about is income replacement. When you think about income replacement, you need to think how long is the time horizon and how much money are they going to need, if you will, on a yearly basis. So for example, if you have $500,000 on your policy and you want it to last 10 years, then the math says $50,000 a year. That's the kind of thinking that you need to have. Well, exactly. So if something happened to you or I and we have life insurance to cover each other because we have a lifestyle that is based on both of our income, all of a sudden one of us passes away, that whole salary, half of our lifestyle goes away because that salary capability is gone. So I think to me, that's the biggest thing. If you're married and you have a spouse that is now going to have to carry on. Maybe you have a non-working spouse. Maybe you have a spouse that is now raising one, two, three, or more kids. How are they going to pay for everyday living expenses when that whole salary goes away? I think the important thing here that is not being discussed is that you need to sit down and talk with your loved one that is your main beneficiary so they understand what your plan is. For example, Cindy says, hey, if I'm not around and I'm and she's raising kids, and am I going to keep the house as a thought process? These are the type of things so that when it comes down to that, there is some preparation there. So you know the money's coming, but you also know the plan you may achieve for the day that you're not around. That's right. And that is your available assets. What do you actually have in the bank between savings or an investment account that might be liquidated or could be liquidated to provide your family cash flow upon your death? So I'm talking about stocks, bonds, savings accounts, and even retirement savings. Very important component of this on how much life insurance you need because you might have bank accounts and savings accounts and investment accounts that can help generate that replacement income. So we do know that if you take money out, there can be tax complications with that, right? Well, with a retirement account. So you might have an IRA, traditional Roth IRA, 401k, annuities, all of these things are tax-deferred savings. So in that case, you have a beneficiary on file that inherits those savings. And the great thing is, is they can inherit those savings tax-free. So if you and your spouse, like you and I have IRAs, something happens to me, you get what they call a spousal rollover. That money transfers over from my IRA to your IRA tax-free. Now you've got my lump sum into your lump sum for that tax-deferred growth. Excellent. So as long as you don't pull the money out before the 59 and a half year timeline, you're good. Exactly. Anything prior to 59 and a half, you have to pay an IRS 10% penalty. Now, if it's just me or you and our kids are the beneficiaries, there is an account that the kids can roll over, which is called an inherited IRA, whereby now they can inherit these tax deferred or IRA assets also tax free. So there's all different rules that you'll want to either talk to a financial advisor or talk to a CPA or an attorney that's helping your family settle your estate. But these are very, very important considerations, mainly from a tax standpoint. Okay, now we're down to the final piece of information on this subject. And the first thing that we should talk about, which is the most important thing for many people, is Social Security benefits. Now, keep in mind, when you do receive those, 
they're only temporary. So it's very important to understand how much you're getting and how long they last. I do want to point out a couple other considerations before we do the recap is that trust planning might actually be necessary in today's environment, especially in certain situations along with your life insurance planning, is that you might have a special needs child or a physically handicapped child, or you might need additional funds for the care of an elderly parent. And one last thing to consider is that there might be estate tax consequences of owning a life insurance policy. You want to seek out guidance and advice of an attorney and a CPA, someone qualified to help you with all these different variables. We should also point out here, too, that we've framed this whole discussion around if someone has a spouse or a family, but there are those of you that may not have that. But you can certainly name a beneficiary, such as a niece or a nephew or or something like that. You can even name a charitable organization. You can even name your dog. I worked with a guy who he and his wife had set up individual trusts and life insurance policies for their dogs. Their dogs were their babies. They had no kids. And... Their dogs were not old, so they actually set up trusts and named a person to take over the care of their dogs, and then all the sufficient income and money that that person didn't have to incur it, their dogs were taken care of. Any boarding, any grooming, any vet bills, toys, food, all the ongoing care for the rest of that dog's life. I saw those new Rottweilers up at the country club the other day. (laughs) (laughs) They just left the squirrel bar. The guy's tipping better than me, man. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, those dogs probably will have more in their estate plan than we ever could imagine. But They have a low cost of living, so they they have a lot more to spend. No, but it's true. So that is something to consider. Okay, that was a lot of information. So I think it's time that we do the recap. Number one, remember, life insurance does cost money. So you will want to seek out the advice and guidance of a qualified life insurance specialist. They will sit down with you, talk about everything that we've covered today to determine what is the best life insurance policy for you. You can also seek the guidance of a financial advisor who will go through your full financial picture and help introduce you to a life insurance specialist or talk to a CPA and figure out what all of those replacement costs would be in your life that you might need to lean on for your loved ones after you're gone. Number two, all of the individuals that Cindy mentioned will all lead you to the same point, which is to do a life insurance calculation worksheet. Even if you don't talk to somebody to start, you can go on the internet and find these very easily. The first thing that you're going to need to think about are the final expenses. This includes funeral, medical, probate fees, things like that. The next thing that you need to think about is the mortgage. That is usually the biggest payment in the house in anyone's budget. So you have to understand the taxes, the insurance, the length of the mortgage, things of that nature so that you are covered. Now, the mortgage is one thing, but you do need to consider all the other debts that you have, such as car loans, credit card loans, anybody that you owe money to on a regular basis. There's also the emergency fund. We talk about having three to six months of that when you're alive, so consider that when you're not around. There's also the education fund, and that is for your kids or your nieces or nephews or your grandchildren. So in essence, what you're doing now is creating a budget for the future on the event of your death. So you have your current budget now, and you plan this out so you're prepared for the future. And number three, you need survivor's income replacement. Remember, this is a huge consideration, and you have to think of your life insurance in terms of the income it can provide after you're gone. After all, your goal is to ensure that your paycheck continues 
for those who are dependent on that income. And number four, consider what available assets you have on the table. Meaning if you have savings and investment accounts or even retirement savings accounts, these may be able to be liquidated to help with costs or generate income for you off of those investments. So look at all your total available funds when you're creating your worksheet. So to sum all of this up, you need to take your total expenses at your presumed death, and then you need to subtract the total investments and life insurance that you do have. And then you find out if there's a deficit. And if that's the case, then you know that you do not have enough money to cover your loved ones when their money comes to them. And last but not least, number five. Cindy and I cannot stress enough that if you want to take care of your loved ones upon your death, that you really need to consider looking into life insurance. And keep in mind, this doesn't have to come at a huge cost. You know us, we are the proponents of the budget. So that is a line item in our budget. And life insurance doesn't have to be extremely costly. You can have a term life insurance policy that is maybe 10 years or 20 years just to make sure that you've got those critical things covered in the critical years of life. That's why it's so important to seek out the guidance of a life insurance specialist because they'll go through all of that for you just to make sure that you have that peace of mind. In fact, over the last 10 to 15 years and ongoing, life insurance is getting cheaper because people are living longer. Good point. So in the end, take your time, think about it, These are things that people usually don't feel like doing. It's one of those, ugh, I got to go do that because it does take a lot of work, just like it takes a lot of work to have a budget and manage your financial life. But it is very important because the last thing that you want to happen to your family is for them not to be protected when you could have chosen that during your life. Okay, we are officially done with this subject. Phew, that was depressing. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we try to have fun and be jovial, and this is a topic where it's just really hard to do. That is one thing that we all have to face. It's inevitable. So making sure that you have your house in order is the best thing that you can do for yourself. It's not a great topic. It's something that we all have to face, though. In actuality, when this keeps hitting your brain going, I need to do this, and then you don't do this, then you'll realize it'll actually pick at you over and over. But when you do put this in place, you'll start to forget about it. And it's peace of mind at that point. Exactly. Peace of mind is what is important. Okay, now we're going to get on to our montage. And this is where we often talk about a set of stories that are not found in the mainstream media so that we can all get a break from everyday reality. Okay, this type of story is not necessarily out of the mainstream media per se because it is from Time Magazine and it's a pretty known thing. The title of the article is, Would You Date Someone With Different Political Beliefs? And they did a survey of 5,000 people and that's what's been revealed. Now this story from Time comes from Match.com, which is the big cheese of matchmaker websites. And they said, according to a survey, the number of people who are looking for a partner believe it's not possible to date a person of the opposite political affiliations that had risen from a third from 2012 to now more than half in 2020. So if you take the 5,000 and you divide that, right, that's 2,500 on each side saying, I'm not going to date you if you don't believe in my political aspirations. That shouldn't surprise you because this is really around the social aspect, raising your kids. So if you're marrying someone and you plan to have kids, what news do you watch? There's a big divide on news stories during elections. There's a big divide on just personal preferences. I mean, that's the whole division of I'm a Republican and I believe in this and I'm a Democrat and I believe in that. To me, that's no different than religious beliefs. So, you know, it's 
kind of hard to think that, God, if I met you and you and I have talked and I fell in love with you and then I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't believe in, in the political affiliation you know I'm, I'm associated with? You know what? what I'm going to say. Doesn't love conquer all? <laughs> if you're Romeo and Juliet. Listen, I'm a dude and I don't throw that word around lightly. Right, and I don't say it all the time as much as I should, but I really think that love would conquer I, all. I don't, I have to disagree. I mean, I totally have to disagree you, because you've got, I mean, look at the people out marching on one side or the other or protesting on one side or the other. What if What if we're divided? What if we're a house divided? You're going to be over there marching with these people and I'm over here marching and you're over here socializing in different circles and I'm over here. And but it's we a don't, very but, social it's a very social aspect. It, I mean, social as in the whole sociology of people. I'm not saying that it doesn't have a problem, but a lot of people, they're in relationships, they're in marriages, right? And there's a lot of things where they're different, not just politically. Politically is a belief like a religion, right? It doesn't mean that you're right or wrong. I get it. If someone says, hey, I'm a Catholic and the other person's a Protestant and they don't line up or I'm a Hindu, okay, I get it. And that's your right. Same thing with political affiliations, right? But I think there's more room to grow on the political side of things, in my opinion, but I can be wrong. Well, I think but, as of late, it's probably more but in it, the forefront as people are really, it's, we are more divided than in these numbers and statistics show that we're more divided than we ever have been and our political views, I think. I think these last couple of years have truly highlighted that. And um, I mean, it's never, believe me, when I met you, all I saw was great hair and a cool guy, well, right? Well, right now, he's still a beautiful man with really bad hair, so... But, you know, we talked, we had similar circumstances in no, life. wait, 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 wait. If you liked country music, like full-hearted, loved country See? music... okay, there you go. So that okay, would... Okay, I'm kidding. But those are things... I guess my thought Keith process... Keith Urban, if you ever leave her, call me. Well, he does have some very shiny hair, I must say. I just think that when you're in a marriage, there are several factors you go through, right? So religion can be one, political, we just talked about those two, but it could be music, right? It could be the way you raise your children. It could be the way you manage your money. There are several things that you need to line up properly in order for things to work. So my point is no two people are alike. So I guess you have to determine what is your dividing line where you're like, I'm out, dude, because if you lined up 15 different things, like um, aspects about each other, how many of those are really going to line up where you both agree on it? Well, I kind of think it happens organically, too. First of all, if you're on a match.com, which I never have been, but I would assume you're giving all of the history of what you do, what you like. I don't think political affiliation is on there. I would assume not. But those are conversations when you meet somebody Birds of a feather, right? Flock together. So I don't, I think it probably just organically happens that you and I are dating and we're way on the other side of the fence on just personal views. It's not going to work out. It's not. I don't care how great your hair is or how much I love you. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. All right. I mean, I, I respectfully, uh, you know, I respect you for your opinion on that. And I'm just going to go, listen, have- listen, podcast people. <laughs> I'm just going to go with, again, love conquers all because I think there's compromise between political and religion and all these other things. Because if you don't have the ability to bend on some of these major pieces because it's so hard to be equal in your position and all these major things in your life, then it's going to be very hard to find a good mate. Compromise. Well, I actually, I mean, that's pretty sweet. That's very 
That's actually very romantic of you because I agree that there's things in our life that we disagree on, but we the big things that we agree on and so we you, love each so other. So you are learning about more about the man behind the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that masked man? Come on, tell me that you love me. I love you, David. Okay, since I got positive reinforcement, I think that's time to end the podcast for the week. As a reminder, you can catch us on all social media platforms, including Instagram using SOMM.podcast. And if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to somethingonmymind.net. So until then, until next week, I am David. And I am Cindy. 